Hello, and welcome to On the Air with Brett and Claire. Um, In today's episode, Brett is just kind of telling the story of his brain tumor, um, how he found out that he had it, and just kind of the steps that we took afterward to take care of it. And also, he's just talking about where he's at now. So, if that interests you um, and you want to get a little more insight into our life and what we've been just kind of dealing with in the past couple of months, just keep on listening. All right, now let's get into it. Hey guys, my name is Brett. Um, so I guess for this podcast, we're kind of just going over what, what, why we're wanting to start this podcast and kind of what each of us wants to get out of it. Um, but I'm going to go over my why. Um, essentially, I just want to share my past and present experiences. Um, and then especially as us being like a young married couple. Um, it's kind of rare nowadays, but also we want to, I want this to be like a broad, like a live broadcasted diary. Um, and hopefully we can reach out to some of you guys and brighten your day, but also maybe you can relate to a situation that we're dealing with, um, or have been through. And maybe, maybe we have a lesson learned that you could use. Um, and maybe eventually vice versa, we can hear from you guys and learn something from you guys. So, I just kind of want this to be a cool new adventure, something fresh to do. Um, Yeah, Claire? Yeah, I like to think we've been through our fair share of hardship. And we hope to share our experiences and the lessons we've learned with you on this podcast. I feel like we had a pretty life-changing experience lately that really kind of spurred us wanting to start this. Um, Brad had a brain tumor. You want to talk about that? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So on December 27th of 2021, we went to the ER. I had been having some like weird symptoms with my head and different things like for a little over a month. And it just got to a point after the Christmas break, like when I got home and was at work where I just was like, man, I really need to go. I need to go get this checked out because something's just not right. Um, basically I'd been having like a lot of pressure in my head. Um, I was having, I had like four or five migraines, which I've never had before. And just a lot of just strain, like vision issues, just strange stuff that honestly we just thought was going to be a blood pressure issue of some sort. And that's kind of why I was willing to go to the ER in the first place. I figured we'd just walk in and they would, uh, you know, give us some medication and send us home and be like, you'll be fine in a week. Uh, fortunately it didn't happen that way. They, uh, sent me to the back. I got a CT scan of my head, it took about five minutes. And then we went and I waited in the, the room or the waiting room with Claire and they, uh, called us back and we went to a room and there was a nurse and they hadn't even told us what was happening yet. And so the nurse was like, he asked us, you know, Hey, if, do you know what is going on? And the way he said it scared the shit out of me. Like that's, it really made me feel like, man, something is kind of going on. (laughs) But uh, he was very calming and said, hey, don't freak out. But they found a brain mass, you know, in your head. And um, I remember me and Claire just looked at each other and it was just like this terrifying moment. Like everything just changed in the, the blink of an eye. And yeah, we found out that I had a brain tumor. And Claire, how did you feel in that moment? Because I was terrified, but I was really trying to hold it together. I was just in shock. 
like I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, oh, is he joking? Like, why is yeah. he saying yeah. that? Like, that's so weird. It didn't seem it real, didn't seem real did it? Not at all. It still kind of doesn't. I know. It freaked me out. And just the fact that no one really said anything besides just this nurse and that's who we heard it from, I think was a little weird. But, you know, we kind of, I think we, we took it okay. Cause I mean, within like a couple minutes, like I was still trying to make you laugh and we were laughing and we weren't completely destroyed by the news. So I felt like that was a little bit of a win considering, you know, just how it all went down. But yeah, anyways, we waited in that room for like hours because they were trying to call and transfer us to another hospital. But I don't know if it was, it was, was it just like too late, Claire? Or like what was, why couldn't we transfer? I can't remember. No hospitals are really accepting transfers right now because of COVID. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we waited for a long time and they even told us like we probably wouldn't be able to transfer, which I think we were fine with. Cause like we wanted to just leave and drive ourselves anyways and figure it out. We do better that way anyways. But yeah, so we, they get to the point where they can't transfer us and then they recommend that we AMA out and we do it. We figure it out ourselves. So that's what we did. We AMA'd out and we drove home, got ready, got some stuff like an overnight bag. And then we went and anyways, we drove to the nearest city and we, um, checked into, we checked into the near, the student, the, the hospital, we, the first one we saw and, um, they ended up not even having a neurosurgeon or we tried to check in, but while we were checking in, they didn't even have a neurosurgeon and the lady was just, the nurse was really rude. So we kind of just, we got up and left and went to the next hospital and they did have a neurosurgeon luckily. So we, uh, waited our time out there. They kind of actually pushed us through the system pretty quick, which was nice. And that surgeon once we finally met her the next day, the next morning was very like quick in conversation. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. She was just ready to take the tumor out without really giving us any more information about what it was or any other options at all. Like the only option was just to go in there in a week and do a major brain surgery without any information or real reasons why. Yeah. And she tried to like prop up like her, like her skills by just saying like I've done these before I don't know it was I was very confused which this is a very rare tumor there's only been 70 in the past 20 years so for someone to say they've done a lot of these before yeah she was it just sounded like bullshit from the start it just like it sounded like I we didn't know anything so like I was just trying to be open-minded and say you know maybe she just isn't great conversationally but then like later when we found a new surgeon, it just like really felt like I just felt cheated or just like lied to. In fact, I don't feel good about it. But in the moment, I was kind of I was very accepting of the situation, I think. But anyways, we had the conversation with her and we actually scheduled that surgery and then we went home. Right, Claire? I mean, we just went home after that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that was like the beginning of this whole thing is, and that's all happened within like a, like a day, like within 24 hours, all this happened. We found out, we went and found a neurosurgeon, we scheduled the surgery and we ended up, we came home and we were freaking exhausted because we really didn't sleep in that hospital, in the ER room. It wasn't even a hospital room. It's the ER room, which was terrible. And, uh, yeah, that was just a wild night. Um, 
and just a lot emotionally to just find that out and like try to process that and like what that even means because like everyone was telling us all kinds of different stuff right like I mean how did you feel about all the different things we were hearing I thought it was very overwhelming everyone was just trying to give us all this information when they really didn't know themselves like what they were even talking about so we were just getting a lot of different misinformation and being led in a bunch of different directions and it was all just really confusing yeah yeah at first like we were told it was on my what is it my pituitary gland or something and that i would have they might have to cut it out and i would need hormone pills or treatment for the rest of my life like there was like and they were they weren't even neurosurgeons they were just telling us shit I think just to make us feel better. I think they just want to try to make us feel like it wasn't as serious as we thought it was. I think they also truly didn't realize how serious it was. Just because it is so rare, like, they were just kind of giving us information with the knowledge that they thought they had. But there just isn't a lot of information out there. I remember being scared when... Like, kind of when they told us they had found something on my brain, I wasn't, like, super scared. I was more... I think you're right. Like, shock is probably the right word. Like, it just hadn't hit me all the way yet. Yeah, I didn't realize the gravity of the situation, really. Yeah, it was very scary, but in retrospect. But, like, whenever, remember when I asked and they took us around and the guy showed us the location? And it was dead center in my brain. Like, that was when I was kind of, like, started thinking, like, man, something is, like, that's not just a normal like thing on the brain. That's, like, inside my brain, in the center of the brain. Like, that's terrifying, like. That, I think I was really worried from the second I saw where it was because I started thinking like, oh, that's not a good place for that to be, you know? Yeah, it was deep in there. Yeah. So that was scary. And that's kind of when I was like, I think I started freaking out a little bit, like internally, but I kind of shoved all those emotions down pretty quickly, I think. And, uh, but yeah, that first day was just, it was wild. And then from there, like, everything just went so quick, you know? Like, my uncle, he's a cardiologist, and he actually is, well, he's plugged in in the area that he practices in. And so he helped us find a neurosurgeon, um, which we're extremely grateful for because everything, in you know, now has gone very well. And I don't know what we would have done without him and his help and, like, his guidance because because of how rare this was and kind of like the fact that it was brain surgery in a very deep area of the brain. Like I'm so glad we had somebody that understood the gravity of it and could help us with like, just like the way that these doctors communicate because it's so on a different level. Like we kind of were just trying to piece things together after every meeting. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that was great. And we luckily were able to meet the other or the, the yeah the new neuros, neurosurgeon within was it like the next day after yeah. we yeah we went the next day after we met the the first one and that went great and uh we liked the guy we scheduled a surgery with him and that was um so i guess essentially just because we didn't really know anything about the tumor until we saw this new guy and the new guy we saw him fairly quick and he was actually able to show us and explain what exactly the tumor was doing, where it was located. And I think we really appreciated that. And he actually gave us real numbers and statistics on like what, how many times people would do the surgery. He didn't lie about it. He said it would be difficult for any neurosurgeon to do this type of surgery. So I think we just appreciated all the honesty, but essentially, 
you want to say something? I was going to say that, and he also actually presented us with another option other than just jumping right into the most major brain surgery you could possibly have. Yeah, and that was that was really appreciated. Even though I had to do the big surgery anyways, um, it was nice that he considered and slowed down the process because it really, just if if we were luckier... After the first surgery, we could have probably avoided the big surgery, but due to what it was when they did the bio or the uh, yeah the biopsy, what the pathology said, we had to go a certain route. So you know we were just a little unlucky there, but um, yeah that wasn't his fault. I think we may have just gotten a little too hopeful too. But essentially, anyways, what the tumor was was it was like two and a half by three and a half centimeters, right? So it wasn't like huge, but it wasn't tiny and it was right in between the third and the fourth ventricle inside my brain, which the ventricles are like these sacks of fluid. And I think it's kind of how the brain fluid drains and moves throughout the brain in your head. Um, But essentially it was like literally blocking the little valve or whatever it is where that fluid drains into the fourth ventricle. So it was literally just creating a blockage of this fluid and this fluid was building up and it was just going wherever it could throughout my brain to, to escape. And that's what was causing all these crazy symptoms to happen. Um, so his recommendation instead of just gung ho, let's go for the big surgery was let's go in, I'll create a bypass between these ventricles and I will biopsy, uh, excuse me, the, um, the actual tumor and we can find out what it is and see what treatment is necessary. Like if we need to do the big surgery or if we can do some other route, you know? So we were, I think we were most comfortable with that and that's what we chose to do. And it was scheduled for the 6th of January. So this was very short. This is like what, that's a week after pretty much we found out that we did the first one. So yeah, we scheduled the first surgery a week after, pretty much a week after we found out. And yeah, it was just, I, I don't know, like thinking about it emotionally, like thinking about it, like in the past tense, like I felt really overwhelmed because I just, like we just found out and then it felt like we were forced into like having to think about all that, you know, and like moving so fast. I don't know. How did you feel about it? Because I was kind of freaked out. And just felt like I was shoving down a lot of emotions and like just it was all building up inside of me and I didn't really know what to do. But you seem to handle it like a champ, honestly. Yeah, because I had therapy. But I don't know. I was still pretty much in shock at that point, like until after the first surgery was actually over. Do you think like you were kind of shoving down a lot of those emotions to like just deal with what was in front of us? Because that's how I felt like I was just hiding from my emotions because I felt like scared and overwhelmed. I don't think I was. I think from you maybe cuz I wanted to be strong and I didn't want you yeah. to like have to worry about me being scared. I'm just glad it wasn't you that was dealing with the tumor cuz I feel like I don't know if I don't think I'd be able to handle it. Like I don't think I could have been the person you were for me and that like worries me. I think I can be eventually, but I just think I have some growing to do like emotionally. And like, I thought about that a lot. It was like, could I do what Claire is doing for me right now? And like, I think I could, but I don't, I don't know. And that's what I think worries me is that I I didn't know for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was terrifying. Like you could have died. Yeah. No. And that's, I don't know. That was hard to wrap my head around too. 
I feel like I just, and I, I felt like I was hiding my emotions from you as well, but mainly from myself. Like I didn't give myself ever a chance to really feel them. I didn't really start feeling anything until after the first surgery, I think. And that's because it's, it felt real. I couldn't hide from it. I just had my head cut open, you know? Yeah. And after we found out, we found out immediately after that you were going to have to have the second surgery anyway. Yeah. I found out as soon as I woke up. And was in yeah, a lot of pain. Yeah, which my bad. I probably should have waited a little bit to tell you that. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> ripped the Band-Aid off, right? It was just like we didn't get a second to breathe until after the second surgery was over just a couple weeks ago. I know. And even now, I'm still dealing with the crap like left over from it, you know? Yeah, I'm sure for a long time we'll both be dealing with it. Yeah. No, that was very overwhelming in the beginning especially. Yeah, because we went to finding out about it to, okay, you have to have a brain surgery in a week. And then right after that surgery, it was like, okay, well, in two more weeks, you're going to have to have another brain surgery. I know. And we thought that was going to be the follow-up one, remember? And then he called us and was like, oh, no, that's the surgery. And it was like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? Like, that's, we were not prepared for that. Not at all. That was, I did not like that moment. That kind of made me feel a little bad, but I understand, like, they... Like, they had some hiccups, but, like, they were just really slammed. Like, they had a lot of clients. And they're a really good, like, neurosurgeon. So, like, I'm sure he has a lot of clients to deal with every day, especially on those days where he does surgery, you know. But I did feel kind of like we got left in the dust a little bit sometimes. But, I mean, I try not. Now everything's gone fine, so I'm not, you know, holding it against him. But I don't know. I feel like we were both kind of frustrated in general. And I feel like maybe that had to do with our emotions surrounding the surgeries and the whole situation. Yeah, I feel like I was just looking someone to put my anger on. Yeah. And obviously the doctor just made the most sense. But in reality, <laughs> yeah. like he's probably the best doctor that could have done it. I know. Yeah, no, that he, they were the easiest target. Like, and I was really frustrated too. I was so frustrated when you told me. After I woke up, the doctor, whenever you woke me up from the first surgery and the doctor had said, yeah, based off the sample we pulled, the biopsy sample or pathology sample, like we're going to probably have to do the next surgery. And then everyone after that, like the nurses and everything, were all saying the same thing. Like I remember just being in so much pain and I was so overwhelmed by the idea of doing this again in a big like and this was this was like the easy surgery like of the two like they're both brain surgery but this was like the easy option and then I get through that and then it's like okay you did this but like now you've got to do the big one like the big scary one that you know has a lot more chance of you having a severe you know complication or something like that and that was just terrifying and I was in pain and it's just the last thing I wanted to think about was recovering from an even harder surgery that's going to put me in even more pain. And I think that that's really when like I couldn't hide those emotions anymore. And it may have been a mixture of like the medications they had me on and everything for pain and stuff, but and the steroids and all that, but like I don't know, I just really I really started feeling like those emotions like I had to get rid of them somehow or I had to like express them somehow and so like that's when it got really overwhelming and I was confused too because I had hidden so many emotions like I didn't even know what I really felt about it all and I was just like I felt I don't know just distraught like just oh my gosh I can't believe like I'm going through this I think it started to feel real is what I'm saying you know yeah but 
I don't know. That was a lot, that first surgery. And Yeah, and then right after, you went into the second surgery where they had to go in and actually take the whole tumor out. Yeah, what I am thankful about the first surgery, though, is that... that <sighs> It actually did what it was supposed to do. Like the bypass actually alleviated like all of my symptoms. Like I had some pressure the first day or two, but that was because there was swelling from surgery. But like after that, I didn't deal with any of it. Like I didn't have any of the pressure, any of the symptoms, anything. And it was awesome, honestly, because I had been dealing with them nonstop for like almost a month and a half at that point. But yeah, the second surgery was on, was it January 27th? Yeah, it was exactly a month after he found out he had the tumor. Which I thought that was kind of like symbolic in a weird way. But yeah, exactly a month after we found out, I go into the second surgery, which it's called a full craniotomy. And um, essentially what they were going to do is, and the first one was called a partial craniotomy. So they didn't have to actually do what they did in the second one. But for the second one, they had to remove a piece of my skull in order to access the part of my brain that they needed to. Um, so they went in through the back of my head um, and they went through this membrane right above my cerebellum. And they just went in and out and they would cut the tumor into, I guess, a piece of the tumor off and then pull it out. And they just did that over and over until all of the tumor was out of my head. Um, so yeah, they just, they were removing this tumor like piece by piece. And then they put this piece of skull back with like, what did he say? Like it was like screws and like plates. Yeah. So yeah, they just put my skull back with plates and screws, which is so weird to think about. But, um, yeah. And he told us like it could last anywhere from four to eight hours before we went in there, which was terrifying because that's a long, even four hours is a long time for surgery. I know that Claire was terrified. That was Claire's like hard part was she had to wait for everything, you know, and I'm just, I'm asleep. I'm out. So it wasn't very hard for me, but I don't know. How did you feel about it when he gave you the time frame? And then also when you were actually waiting, how did you feel? Uh, I was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like what that's else? it. I well, well, give us a play by play. Like what happened? Like, I mean, what? I was just shaking the whole time. I couldn't focus on anything else. I was trying to play my phone games and read books and I just couldn't do anything other than sit there and freak out it's a little like fuzzy for me because the anesthesia but so when was the last time you saw me was it when the dude the anesthesiologist gave me what he called the margarita and then was like I just went off to the OR was that it and then you just went to the waiting room he hadn't given you the anesthesia stuff he gave me something not while I was in there I remember he gave me something before they wheeled me out he goes, here, I gave it to you. And I was like, oh. Well, that was probably like right after I left. Oh, so you went to the waiting room. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that part's very fuzzy because that stuff was strong. Because I know as soon as he gave it to me and they started wheeling me to the OR, I don't even, I didn't even make it to the OR before I was out. <laughs> so like he knocked me out. Oh my gosh. He knocked me out with just... <laughs> Just what he termed the margarita, which I think they kind of just like play with you so you don't think about it too much. I think they try to keep you calm in a way. Although he did not keep me calm when he was talking about the neck IV. Ew, I don't think anybody wants to hear about that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. It's very interesting. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, I just remember getting wheeled to the OR. I didn't even make it. And I just remember waking up 
very quickly. I don't, I, I didn't have an experience like I had on the first one. I woke up very quickly and I was just in the ICU and well, actually, no, I was actually being wheeled around and they were putting me like I did a CT scan and they were like doing stuff with me. But I just remember being in so much pain this time. Like it, it didn't even compare to the first one. The first one felt like it was easy compared to this. And yeah, I was in a lot of pain. And finally they got me back to the room and Claire was there. And, um, yeah, we kind of just went from there. Yeah. What was it like when I got back? Yeah. What was it like when I got back? When I got back to the ICU room? Because you were there, right? Was I just like sitting there with my eyes closed? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then when I opened my eyes, so I'm still dealing with a vision issue, um, which really sucks. But when I first got into the ICU and saw Claire, there's, it was hilarious. Like I could hardly, I could really not see, I have like really bad double vision, but like my eyes were like so open and wide that it was like terrifying and like Claire could not stop laughing at me. And I, she took a video of me and showed it to me later and it was hilarious. He looked crazy. Yeah, I did look crazy. And I was still coming off of like the anesthesia. So like I was not completely in my right mind so it was just a very interesting time (laughs) but yeah I mean I I recovered really quickly I went home what three days two days after yeah way sooner than expected Yeah, so that was good but yeah and now we're here and we got home and I started recovering and we finally decided to start this damn podcast and I'm glad we did yeah it's been a long month and a half very long yeah, it's been ridiculous. And like now all of a sudden I'm very talkative, like which is, I guess is perfect for the podcast because like that, I don't know, talking about that created what, like how many more, how many minutes? of? 27. Yeah, 27 minutes from just that. And like, I don't feel like I would normally talk this much. So maybe something, he did something in my brain that made me a talkative person now, but, or I just have a lot to say after all this craziness, but yeah, here we are now. I'm still recovering. I feel a lot better, but, uh, I don't know. I'm happy that we actually started this freaking podcast because I feel like we've talked about it for a long, long time now. How long, like at least six months to a year we've been talking way about longer. It. I've like wanted a couple to years. do this for like two years now. Okay. Well, yeah, we've been talking about it for a long time and we just never did it. And we finally pulled the trigger and I think a lot of it was like getting over, like these mental blocks in our head that were just telling us, like, I think we were just, at least me, I was super anxious about it and like scared. I think this experience showed that life is really short. And so there's no time to like be worried about stupid things like that. Like if you want to do something, you got to do it. Cause I mean, truly your life can end so quickly. Yeah. It made me think about a lot of things. Um, And like you're saying, like, I think the biggest thing was like, you don't have a lot of time to do something that you feel like is meaningful. And I feel like us sharing our experiences and just doing a podcast for fun, even like is something that I, I don't know, I think would bring value to my life or that would at least provide value. And I just feel like it's, I don't know, it's just nice to finally do it. And kind of like break through that barrier that was like holding me back. You know, it feels good to kind of do do that and do something new. Yeah, I agree. 
but I'm excited about this. Um, but yeah, I've been talking for a long time. So do you want to talk now? What I mean, you I can kind of talk about your experience pretty... during the tumor or no, anything. I was, I was just in shock and scared you were going to die. And then as soon as you were out of surgery and I knew you were alive, like I didn't care if you had no arms and no legs, you were at least <laughs> alive. And that is all that mattered. I know. I was so thankful when I woke up. I was just like, oh, God, thank God I'm alive, you know? Yeah. He still may be recovering, but the hardest part for me has been over since the second surgery ended. Yeah, we were so relieved when I got out of that. And I don't know, that was such a great feeling because it did feel like finally we're, you know, something was kind of behind us in this whole situation because I feel like it was... It was so overwhelming and so quick that it just felt like we were getting hit with so many things up front. I felt like it was never going to end, honestly. I just kept thinking, like, oh, we're just going to keep finding stuff and it'll just be crazy. And it was so nice to get, like, good news for once. Because when they came back, they did an MRI on me and said that they, you know, found nothing. Like, the MRI didn't show any kind of tumor was left at all. Um, But the surgeon said, you know, if there's microscopic amounts left that he couldn't get that the MRI wouldn't pick that up so that's really all that we're even worried about at this point which is nice because it's like we can we have a direction which I feel is so awesome to have yeah it feels like we're reaching the end of the tunnel yeah because it was a very uncertain ride like so many different things were said I think we put our hopes into like certain outcomes that just weren't probably as viable as we thought and we felt let down at one point, really frustrated. And then it was like, everyone was asking us questions constantly, but we didn't know what was going on. And neither did they because it's a rare tumor and it was not very certain what to do. It was just, hey, this all we know is what's next. And then we'll go from there. And, you know, it was very hard to deal with. It was hard to kind of I don't know, just comprehend that, that it was that kind of situation in such a serious situation. You know, I think that was just added another layer of scare, like fear, you know, for me at least. Yeah, I agree. I like to think we've both been through enough hardship in our life that we were probably a little better emotionally prepared than a lot of people. Yeah, I think we did good. Um, (laughs) For hardship. We're saying we're better prepared than most people. No. Everybody's had a hard life. Yeah, everyone's gone through some shit. We know that we've gone through some shit, though, individually. And we've come out, like, on the other side, really. Like, we learned some shit. And we got somewhere afterwards. So, I feel like we we knew, like, the mentality we had to have. You know, we knew that it was not about to be easy. And that we were going to kind of... We're going to go through some things that were not going to be fun. And we were going to hear a lot of things that would make us uncomfortable too and so I think that we were even though it was overwhelming and very emotional I think mentally we were well prepared and had the kind of uh, mentality you need during a situation like this because it was extremely hard to stay positive I don't remember but I don't really remember feeling bogged down by like negative emotion do you like I don't feel like we really let that get us too often like, I'm not saying we didn't feel it at all, but I don't think it consumed us. No, I don't either. But like I said, like I was going to therapy twice a week for a month. So I think that played <laughs> yeah, a big part a in my mental sanity throughout all this. Yeah. 
And then I ended up, <laughs> I'm doing therapy now because it was so much for me. I, I needed somebody to talk to because I just didn't know what was going on, which I feel kind of like, I don't know. I told my therapist this, like I almost felt like I failed because I was going back to therapy from like previously being, having been in therapy a while ago. And she said that was a normal feeling, but like, I don't know for anyone who does listen to this, if you've been to therapy before and you have to go back because something crazy happens in your life or something changes, don't worry about it. Like I feel good about it now. And I've gotten over that like feeling of failure. I think it was just my brain like didn't want to actually do the therapy in the first place. So it was trying to create some kind of like reason why I shouldn't do it or why I should feel bad about it, you know? It sounds like we're about to roll into a better help ad. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Be nice if we had ads already. <laughs> a little bit longer before we can do that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the story of his brain tumor and where we're at now. Um, thank y'all for listening. Yeah, thank Mom. you. <laughs> Mom, did you say mom? Yeah, probably the only one out there listening. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, thanks for listening. If anyone does listen to this, and I know that, like I said, I've been very talkative, so I'm trying to get better. And if y'all, if you're listening and you find, you know, have a way to communicate with us, hopefully we have a social media set up soon. Um, give us feedback on what you think about things and we want to get better at this you know like we both really want to grow inside of this new uh medium i guess you'd call it and we want to get better at things and provide better content and figure out what that even means because i don't think either of us or claire has but myself i have not really provided anybody with content before so this is completely new to me and i'm excited yeah i mean we have a lot more to talk about um, I can talk forever. We'll figure it out, y'all. But that was his story for today. And yeah, just a little bit of insight as to why we wanted to do this in the first place and, you know, what kind of catapulted us into actually starting it this time instead of just sitting here talking about it for years on end. Yeah, I think you'll get to learn more about us like in the future shows as we go along. There's a lot to each one of us, like in our stories. And I don't know, we just felt like the brain tumor because of how extreme and most recent it was and just life changing. We felt that was most appropriate to kind of start off with. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, we'll see y'all next week. See ya.